If you would, open up your Bibles and turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 37 this morning. Ezekiel chapter 37. And the title of this message is, Son of Man, Can These Bones Live? Son of Man, Can These Bones Live? When Ezekiel receives his vision from the Lord of the Valley of Dry Bones, he, along with 10,000 of his Hebrew countrymen, are currently in Babylonian captivity. They were taken by King Nebuchadnezzar in 597 B.C. At the time Ezekiel is delivering this prophetic message to Israel, they are in an utter state of ruin. The capital city of Jerusalem has fallen, the temple has been burned, the people slaughtered, and those of nobility have been taken. Israel is in a hopeless state, to say the least. For Ezekiel to now speak to this comparatively small portion of Israel about coming restoration, as Judah's cities lie in waste and the nation is scattered abroad, would be indeed like speaking to dry bones with hopes that they would live again. Israel finds themselves in this lifeless state because of their sins. They sinned against God in 2 Kings 21, verses 1 through 9. Manasseh, who was the king of Judah, sanctioned or approved the worship of the Canaanite god Baal as the official state religion. The southern kingdom had entered a covenant of death that was irrevocable. Undoubtedly, the restoration of Israel or Ephraim and Judah is the immediate thought in Ezekiel's mind when delivering God's message to Israel. However, this passage also speaks to how God uses his word and his spirit to resurrect the dry bones of his people today. I heard a preacher say we need to be filled often because our buckets leak. You and I stand in constant need of spiritual revitalization. And I believe God's word to Israel through the prophet Ezekiel will encourage us and equip us with the tools needed for individual and corporate resurrection and revitalization. Turn with me once again. Read with me Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and I will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied there was a sound, and behold, a rattling And the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. 
Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and I raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will put my spirit within you and you shall live. And I will place place you in your own land, then you shall know that I am the Lord, I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. Lord, we approach you humbly this morning, asking, Father, that you would speak to your people today. Lord, would you speak to us about the resurrecting of our dry bones and of the dry bones of those around us, O God? Lord, would you move in this place for your own glory, Would you move on the hearts of someone today who does not know you, that they would be challenged and changed today, God, that they would see you for who you are and realize how great of a gift you have offered. And Father, I pray that these words would not come back void, and I know that they won't, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. On September 11, 2001, 19 militants associated with the Islamic group Al-Qaeda hijacked four airplanes and carried out a suicide attack against targets in the United States. Two of those planes were flown into the twin towers of the World Trade Center in New York City. A third plane hit the Pentagon just outside Washington, D.C., and the fourth plane crashed in a field in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Almost 3,000 people were killed during the 9-11 terrorist attacks. Though I can remember the disaster and destruction associated with this tragic historical event, what I remember most was that for one brief moment in time, this great nation stood together in unity. It didn't matter if you were black, white, Mexican, Asian, rich, poor, Republican, or Democrat. For a while, we were all just Americans. Unfortunately, this newfound unity or national resurrection, if you will, was short-lived. We soon went back to our old ways as a country, and it is not difficult to see today and identify numerous ways in which our great nation stands divided. This account and my subsequent reflection of its events serves to show us that national resurrection in something, is not something that's uncommon in history. There are many other historical accounts of nations rising after destruction with a renewed sense of community and vitality. However, moral resurrection of a nation is rare. Ezekiel is prophesying about more than liberation from tyranny or fear of terrorist attacks. Ezekiel is speaking of the work that only God can do, which is to turn the hearts of men from stone to flesh and to bring dead things to life by the power of his word, accompanied by, the, by prayer, by the power of his Holy Spirit. Because God is the only hope for the resurrection of dry bones, we must preach the gospel and pray that God would save those who hear it. 
God tells Ezekiel in his vision, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Just as God told Ezekiel to prophesy or preach to the dry bones, he calls us to proclaim the truth of his word to ourselves as well as those around us who are dead in their sins and trespasses. I believe we will see clearly in Ezekiel's vision how God uses his word accompanied by prayer through the power of his Holy Spirit to accomplish his work of spiritual resuscitation. Because God is the only hope for the resurrection of dry bones, we must proclaim or preach the gospel to ourselves and to others. Ezekiel 37.1 says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. There's some debate among scholars as to whether or not this vision is of an actual valley in Tel Aviv where Ezekiel received his first instruction concerning his mission. That valley in Ezekiel 3.22 literally contained the bones of men who died in battle. However, it is most commonly held that all of what Ezekiel is seeing here is in a vision. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. God here has Ezekiel inspect the bones closely. In his inspection, he saw that there were many bones, and they were very dry. This is a picture of the spiritual and physical condition of Israel. Israel was divided and scattered about, and the dryness of the bones represents their utterly hopeless condition. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, oh, Lord God, you know. The term son of man is used 90 times in this book, and it's only found elsewhere one other place in the Old Testament in Daniel chapter 8. The term is meant to emphasize the humanity of the messenger in contrast to God's divine origin and authority of the message. In other words, the term shows how small God's messengers are in light of how big God is. Ezekiel's answer to God's question reveals Ezekiel's sense of awe and wonder at the greatness of God. He is, in effect, acknowledging that God alone has the power to resurrect dry bones, as well as the knowledge of whether or not it would be accomplished. Then he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. God here commands Ezekiel to speak divine words of life over the dry bones through which the miracle of creation should be performed. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. Literally, I am causing breath or spirit to enter you. This speaks to the fact that though God would use his prophet and his word to accomplish the mission, the true power to resurrect dead men comes exclusively from God himself. In fact, the word breath or ruach in Hebrew that is used here is the same word for breath used in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, which God breathed the breath of life into the first man, Adam. And I will lay sinew upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. Here we see the process of resurrection divided into two stages. The first is the reconstruction of the skeletons, bringing together its various parts and then clothing them with sinews, flesh, and skin. And the second stage, which consists of animating or putting breath in the rebuilt bodies, this serves as a picture of the creation of the first man in Genesis 2. 
God divided the creation of Adam into two stages as well. Genesis 2-7 reads, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground, and the man became a living creature. So I prophesied, verse 7 of Ezekiel 37, So I prophesied as I was commanded, And as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. Some believe that the sound here was that of a general noise. Others believe it was a thundering sound. There's another view, which I tend to side with, that says that the sound was that of an audible voice. This voice, this view seems more plausible if we consider the trumpet blast of the voice of God spoken of in various New Testament texts. Such as 1 Thessalonians 4.16, which reads, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven and a cry of command with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. And I looked and behold, there were sinews on them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Not to be crass here, but this would be a terrifying scene resembling that of a zombie apocalypse. Imagine an army of lifeless bodies standing in a valley, waiting for the life-giving breath of God to enter them. This, in fact, is a picture of men and women who have heard the word of the Lord but refuse to surrender their lives to him. As 2 Timothy 3.5 says, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. Here the four winds is representative of the four quarters of heaven. And the breath represents once again the spirit of God. Where it says, and breathe on these slain, reveals to us that this is not a reference to resurrecting men in general, as in like the final resurrection, but this is the resurrection of the nation of Israel. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Here we see a picture of the future destiny of Israel, how they would no longer be divided and scattered, but instead one unified, mighty army under Jehovah. I recently had the opportunity to have a religious debate of sorts with a man who claimed he did not believe in God, but instead he believed that the sun, yes, the S-U-N sun, was the source of all life. Because he couldn't believe in a God he could not hear, see, or touch. This started us down the path of some logical arguments that ultimately left him without adequate answers to support his worldview. I would say we spent at least 20 minutes or so of me using different techniques in an attempt to show him that What he was believing took far more faith than it took for me to believe that there's a God who created us. No matter how much rhetoric I was able to spout about how beautifully and wonderfully made we are and how all of creation points us to a creator, none of these things were sufficient to change his mind or to turn his heart. I did find out that much of this man's rejection of God was due to him being hurt in some way by those who claimed to be followers of Jesus. And so he had turned his back on Jesus because of the failures of man. After a little more probing and back and forth, I finally presented him with the only message that has the power to resurrect dry bones. I said, Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, 
came in the flesh, lived a sinless life, and died on the cross for our sins. And if you would turn from your sin and trust in him, you will be saved. He didn't receive the message that day, but he went away with the words of life to contemplate and said he would be willing to talk about these things again sometime. Much like that of Ezekiel's vision in verses 7 and 8, I prophesied or preached the gospel as commanded, and I got a rattling of fitting together of the bones and a covering of skin over the dry bones by the power of God's word. But all the preaching in the world and the best presentation I could have ever presented would not of itself provide this man with the power to pull himself out of the grave. What our hearers need is resurrection power. The task that God has laid before us as his followers is to speak the message of the gospel to dead men and women, believing that the foolishness of preaching would cause the dead to rise to new life in Jesus Christ. This miraculous work of God will only be accomplished by the power of his word and prayer. Much like God told Ezekiel to speak to the hopeless situation of Israel in its desolation, I believe the Lord would have us to speak to the dead, lifeless, and hopeless situations in our own lives, Highland Crest. Is God telling you today to speak words of life over your dead marriage? Is God calling you today to speak words of life over your wayward child? Is God calling you today to speak words of life over that dead-end job? He has offered all that we need in order to rise from the grave. He has given us his son, his word, and his spirit. And he is calling and challenging us today to call on him that we might be resurrected from these dead states that we find ourselves in. Whatever it is that's standing in the way of you walking in the power of the Spirit today, God is calling you to speak the gospel over all of those things this morning. Proclaiming the truth to break down spiritual strongholds, you must next get on your knees and petition the life-giver Jesus Christ for his resurrection power. Because the only hope for the resurrection of dry bones is God, we must pray that God would grant our hearers salvation. Ezekiel 37 verse 11, Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. This verse speaks to the initial intent and purpose of the vision, which was to depict the political and national restoration of Israel, who at the time of this prophecy was hopeless. Our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost. Bones in scripture are seen as the seat of vital force. So Israel, in effect, is saying the vital force of our nation is gone. And any hope of returning to our own land and having a national existence is dead. Next, when the scripture says we are indeed cut off, the people are, in effect, saying we are as good as dead. We are cut off from the land of the living. Now, this is not on my notes, but listen to this. Is there something in your life right now that you're looking at with your human eyes and you're saying, this is dead as far as I can see? There's nothing that I can do to fix it. Well, you wouldn't be far off from where Israel was right there. Everything was gone. The once vital nation, all that they had 
the joy of walking and living and loving God in a theodicy, theocracy, gone. Now they are just left with destruction and desolation. And Ezekiel is telling them that these bones can live, that God can do something about this. Mm. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. This is basically saying that once this work of national and spiritual resurrection was accomplished, there would be no doubt that it was God who made it happen. And I will put my spirit within you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. This verse speaks to the second and third stages in Israel's redemption. God says, I will put my spirit within you. This is a reference to how God was going to restore his people, not only physically, but spiritually. God was saying to them, you will once again walk in my ways and my statutes, casting off your former idolatry to walk with me in newness of life. God also declares to his people, I will place you in your own land. This is the third stage of Israel's redemption in which the nation will be reconstructed and reestablished to occupy the land of Canaan or Palestine as we know it today. I believe the greatest picture of prayer that I've ever seen, a persistent prayer, was by a man named Bill Magoon. Before I ever met Bill Magoon, I had always heard other men talk about Bill's prayer life. Bill was the type of guy that when he met you and he said he was going to pray for you, he really meant it. And so he keeps note cards even to this day of people that he meets and he writes their names down on these note cards and he prays for them as they come through the rotation. And so by providence, not by chance, by God's design, I met Mr. Bill some years ago um, and we had a conversation. And in having that conversation, I find out that Bill knew my wife's family. And as I talked to him more, he told me that he had been praying for my wife ever since she was a teenager. My wife made it in that rotation of cards, something very simple. But the power of prayer is real. I sat there and talked to Bill, and I told him, guess what? The girl that she was praying for is my wife, and and now she's saved. And Bill had an opportunity to play a role in God's plan because he was obedient to pray. And prayer is one of the tools that God uses to resurrect dry bones. Ask yourself right now, who has God placed in my life that I need to pray for him to resurrect their dry bones. Just like Bill Magoon has his list of names to pray for, we too could benefit from keeping a list of our own. There's nothing like committing yourself to pray for people. It creates a sort of supernatural compassion for them that is difficult to explain, but beautiful to experience. There's nothing like seeing God answer your prayers that were offered on behalf of others. It gives life to your bones. Even last night, I had an opportunity at my favorite fishing hole, as you all know that place. 
at the barbershop. A lady that I've known for years, um, she came in and she was at her lowest. Her, her son was actually a guy that we had discipled years ago, and he, he still believes in God, but he's not walking with him. And the mother has lost her kids, not death, but lost to the state. She is in utter ruin and facing court cases and all kinds of other stuff. And so we sat down with her, and I said, what can I pray for you for? And she gave me some things. She started to throw some things out. Pray for money. Pray that God would bless me with money. Pray that God would do this. And I said, hold on. Is that really what you need? Is it really money that you want me to pray for? Because God usually doesn't just drop 20 grand on our lap. It happens, but that's usually not how he works. He usually works through people in various ways and means in order to bless us. So I said, why don't we petition God for something bigger? Why don't we petition God to restore your family? Why don't we petition God to provide just provision just for God to care for you and hold you and keep you? Why don't we pray that God would change the circumstances of the courts for you? Because God will. I don't serve a little God. I don't serve a little God. I serve a God who's moved mountains for me to even stand here today. And if you would be honest, you don't serve a little God. You serve a God who's able to move mountains. And sometimes we sit on this power and let it lie dormant inside of us when God has said, speak over that situation. Speak truth. Speak words of life over that death. And watch God resurrect and raise dry bones for his glory. The Lord, through the prophet Ezekiel, has laid out before us a spiritual plan for resurrection of dry bones. Though we know that the immediate context in which Ezekiel is prophesying concerns that of the political and religious reformation of Israel, yet this word still speaks today. God had Ezekiel proclaim his plans for the nation of Israel to gather them together from all places to ultimately become one united nation under their sovereign King Jesus. I believe God is also saying to us as the church today that our dry bones can live too. Is your life surrounded by dry bones today? This morning is your opportunity to speak words of life over those dry bones. If there's anyone who has heard The Lord's calling through the word this morning. I implore you not to wait another day. If you would like one of the pastors or deacons or someone to pray with you that you would receive Christ this morning, I am asking as Brother Rob comes up and the music gets going, I'm asking you today, if you have heard the voice of the Lord today, if this has spoken to you in some way, maybe you just want to be a part of this faith family. Maybe you want to explore who Christ is more, or maybe you're just in need of some prayer that your dry bones would live this morning. I'm inviting you by the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ this morning to come down if that's you. I'll be standing here, and if you want to talk to me or anyone else, you are more than welcome to. God bless.